Hello, coffee makers, not coffee takers. He is Dr. Joseph J. Burt Miller Jr., and I am the master of server cyber farms, Alfredo B. Nash Jr. We are your hosts for the Cyber Coffee Hour. We are two cyber experts from Mount Brain, New York, sharing with you the experiences in this field and also the experiences of others so we can learn, elevate, and ultimately realize that we all belong in this space. The views and opinions and thoughts of the Cyber Coffee Hours are not those of our employers or professional personal relationships. For today's episode, we are going to discuss recent cyber attacks in the island country of Jamaica. And to help us break it down, we have the honorable guest, cybersecurity analyst, Valina Pinnock. Excuse me. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so our guest, uh, and welcome everyone. Um, just want to introduce our guest here. Valina has over 12 years of leadership experience in the hospitality industry. In 2021, she transitioned to IT, worked in tech support, and now is an IT security engineer. Within three years, she earned nine IT certifications, including firewall administration and CCNA. Valina enjoys all aspects of cybersecurity, and her ultimate goal is to attain her CISSP or a master's in cybersecurity. Now, the certifications that she has earned uh, are the CCSA, CCNA, the CompTIA Pentest Plus, SISA Plus, Server Plus, Security Plus, Network Plus, and A Plus. Oh, and, and one more, the AZ-900. Belina, welcome to the Cyber Coffee Hour. Thank you, Dr. Bert, Dr. Joseph. It's a pleasure for you guys to invite me here. Thank you, Mr. Nash, for having me. Yes, yes. Yes, thank this you for great. joining us. Absolutely. All right. So, and, and as Alfredo mentioned, yeah, we have a, uh, we'll have a discussion relating to uh, this recent uh, cyber attacks that happened within uh, Jamaica and um, a couple articles that we're going to look at um, for this discussion. Um, so the first one that I, I want to uh, pay attention to, and Valina, of course, we want you to be in this discussion with us as we go through it. So first one I'm looking at here, uh, the, the the name of this article is, is Jamaica reports more cases of cyber attack. Uh, the author of this article is uh, Joanne Clark, dated back in November uh, 14th of 2023. Um, so just read a quick excerpt from the article. So uh, cybersecurity consultant uh, Gavin Dennis has shed light on a concerning trend in Jamaica where a significant number of, of cyber attacks remain undisclosed to the public. Uh, Dennis hmm. disclosed that the situation is far from isolated, stating that at least every week there is some other entity that is being compromised. He noted that while some of these incidents make it to the media, many remain private. Uh, he added that in such cases, persons turn to companies and individuals like him for assistance in resolving the cyber threats they face. So I, I'll stop right there. Um, first, Valina, I'll go to you. Just, I guess, quick thoughts. Is what, what comes to your mind, especially when you're talking about when, when certain cyber cybersecurity incidents happen, but they try to keep it hush-hush? Like, like, I guess, what would be the reason for that? Or, or why do you think that happens? Okay. So the reason why is that we, in terms of our laws in Jamaica, we recently passed the Data Protection Act. This uh, act will, of course, if your company's breach and you're aware of a breach, it's your responsibility to let it be known to the public or let it be known to the individuals who have been 
you know, if their data has been exposed. But that act, even though it was passed, is not in effect until the next six months. So therefore, when companies are breached, they are not necessarily obliged, obligated to report incidents. So therefore, you know, right. there's going to be a situation where if you feel like, because it's going to really uh, damage someone's reputation, a business reputation, and it puts sheds a bad light on that business or that organization. So that is why a lot of incidents are go unreported. Wow, so the public perception would tarnish the company when they disclose yeah. that breach report. Yeah, a lot of companies do as well worldwide. You know, once if you're if you're aware of that there's a company that's been breached, then there's a if you're going to do a business with that company, you're go, there's going to be a hesitation before you do that and it's going to, you know, if if there's another alternative, you probably go that route. You know, it's in the back of someone's mind is that, okay, if I'm going to give it, I'm going to do business with you, I want to have that trust that my data or my client's data won't be compromised. So then that is the mindset that someone who who is in business or is going to do business with someone, they're going to want to know that, you know, there's some security measures involved. It's unfortunate, though, for Jamaica, though, is that we are, we we don't necessarily have the infrastructure to protect data. We are making strides, I must say that, but there it, it costs. It's definitely cost to protect a data, to put in, you know, you know, uh, implement measures. So because of us being a developing country, that it does definitely hamper us having the the resources, whether the technical experts as well as right. the, just financial, you know, just to get that your the data protected. So it, it it's it's almost not that much different than what really happens within the United States. I mean, you know, the, the biggest thing as to why some major companies, when they have these uh, these data breaches or cybersecurity breaches, what have you, um, they don't want to disclose it or they take the time before disclosing because, as you mentioned, the, the reputation that they don't want to lose business. Um, you know, especially if 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 they're in a market where the, the the competition is very high, and they don't want their competition to know that they had this breach and they may lose customers. I mean, Alfredo. I, I, I mean, we talked about this when we, when we had the recent um, the password manager uh, LastPass. Yeah, we had started off using LastPass to to maintain our our, our data, and then with the recent breach, Switched I think it was really after the second one. I think it was really after the second one, right? I think that's yeah, when we was like, was right, we're, we're out. Yeah, the second yeah, they 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 kind of oh go ahead sorry no 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 I was just gonna say like after the second breach I think that's what was like all right we out <laughs> yeah, we're, we're out of here uh, they kind of right. hesitated between the second breach which I'm kind of on the fence too because I think I think what I get from the article is they choose not to disclose but here in the states some companies choose to make a mechanism for vulnerability disclosure reporting so when I right. hear when I hear the companies have the choice. I think it's kind of like I'm kind of on the fence because the company can take the initiative and be proactive to put a link to disclose the breach from from outside entities. Now, business to business, that's a little difficult because depending on when that Data Protection Act gets passed, there's still nothing like mandating to say you have to share with your your business peers, right? So I think I think it, I think we would, I think I would like to see something like a vulnerability disclosure inclusion or reporting. Because even even here, it's not really, I won't say it's not really taken off in the United States, but not everyone is doing that too. So I think I hear I hear the point, Ray, we, we need to start discussing maybe including a vulnerability disclosure program inside of the Protection Act, right? Like how do, how do, how do they do it before the act came out? 
Like how were they how were they telling even business partners about the disclosures? Were they doing and, that? And, and and one thing I'll I'll pose this to you, Valina, like don't you think that maybe it matters as to what type of breach it is or, or the type of company that the breach happened to? So let's say we're talking about maybe a bank, um, the you know, topic. that that's maintaining, <laughs> you know, the financial records for, you know, X amount of, of customers versus maybe a library, you know, maybe just like login credentials got compromised, you know, there, there may be some still PII, maybe, you know, of course, names, addresses, maybe phone numbers, things like that. But, but if I'm looking at it, you know, taking a step back, I, I think the bank breach would be much more significant than the, than the local library. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I do agree with you as well. But because um, we, in Jamaica, we really have, we have heard issues like persons are talking about it, but there's nothing in the media about banks, about, you know, there have been maybe phishing attempts or it's not necessarily from the end user perspective, but it's just that they're, they have seen uh, changes in their bank accounts, you know, withdrawals that were not done and, and you know, and was nothing that they did. So there are definitely breaches. There are definitely insider threats that take place within the banking mm. system, but it's just not right. made public. So, so yeah, it's, it, and then because if it's made public and most times when, you know, when there's a, a question to the proposed to the banks, they're going to say, you know, we can't make that disclosure or that's confidential. We can't speak about a customer's information like that. So it does get, it, it's, it, it does get hidden or swept under the rug per se, or just kept in the dark, but it's just not made public, but I'm sure they're like, I would, I would say every day there should be at some level, some breach, because we really, again, we don't have the infrastructure in place. And I read this article yesterday where it speaks to the private sector being the businesses, non-government businesses. They did a survey among themselves and they found that if they were, based on the, the Data Protection Act, there were maybe 7% of the businesses ready to implement the measures that were, you know, were highlighted in the act. And they say maybe 50% of, of businesses have an incident plan or they're they're cyber ready, like they have a good cyber hygiene. So it's very concerning. But again, mm. it's, I don't think we know, understand the urgency or the need to protect data or the need for cybersecurity. We're more like responsive versus being proactive right. in, in situations, yeah. No, so and, and that's great because oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Fred. Yeah, yeah, um, you got it. No, no. What, what was your point? I, I want to get back so, to the yeah, article, but I'll let you. Yeah, get your no, point. that's what I was going to do. Let's go back to the victimology. Can we talk mm -hmm. about what shop courts is and what what their primary function is in Jamaica? Like, what what is shop courts in the price mark that was victimized here? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? What what is what is the shop courts website like? What function does oh, that yeah, have yeah. in uh, Jamaica? Yeah, yes, yeah. So recently, I would say I looked at the statistics. I would say like they said that there's a hundred percent increase in cyber attacks, and a couple of them would have been the, sh the courts. Courts in Jamaica is a local furniture store. It store it is actually in the Caribbean, so it has multiple different locations here and other Caribbean countries. And mm. the data of customers were on the dark web, so that was exposed. And it, I think it wasn't brought, it wasn't like, it was after it was 
brought to their attention that, that they said something about it. So it was exposed a lot of times when, you know, they were contacted, they're like, oh, we don't, there's nothing of the sort. But then when it was said, okay, reveal that this is data, this is like, this was stolen from your website. That was when they came forward, similar to PriceMart as well. PriceMart is a very, it's similar to what you call a Walmart, but small so in the article in the article it said the stats was two hundred thousand orders i guess in that order is the pii joseph was referring to right customer invoicing credit card information yeah all of that went out the door during this particular attack hmm. yeah so yeah so when that was exposed then you know they at least they were honest about it and said that this is this happened but i i wasn't a customer with price smart so i don't really know what they did individually but but yeah they disclosed their incident to the public but there again right. there's just so many more incidents that that takes place on a regular basis and it's just not reported so the ones who do report it you know it, at least there I, I would give them a level of respect for doing that so no and I, I think that's that's great um and just giving uh, context to what Alfredo mentioned, so uh, within an article, uh, a cyber consultant, Gavin Dennis, uh, so he, I guess in his report, he he indicated that yeah, other uh, recent incidents, you know, included uh, data breaches at those e-commerce platforms we just uh, talked about, ShopCourse.com and PriceMart. Uh, he said that these type of incidents occur weekly. Uh, like I said, many of them remain private. He also emphasized the evolving nature of cybercrime, you know, citing uh, the, the lucrative uh, aspect of it uh, and, and reduce physical risk compared to uh, traditional crime. Um, I, I, I think when you're talking about when they reduce physical risk actually really spoke to me because we're talking about even like, like nation state actors as to why like, like warfare has changed from being more physical to now it's more technical or, or cyber because um that it's it's less costly you you can you can carry out an effective attack from a keyboard as opposed to you know buying missiles and and rockets and what have you um so i mean utilizing soldiers honestly um uh man and woman power but i and i think what 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 that said that makes it more um attractive or makes it uh like i said you know this is a quick way for you know a bad actor to say to to make money and to keep doing it. if something that's repeatable doesn't cost doesn't cost too much and they can do it again and they can it, they could do it at scale they could do it to other you know vulnerable sites or vulnerable organizations that don't have a robust cybersecurity um program in place yeah, I'll speak to that a little bit. It says it was the Alpha V hackers again, and we talked about them a little bit. And that shows the scale of these operators saying, well, you can't catch me, right? They know mm -hmm. they know there's a difference between physically going to attack this particular e-commerce chain versus where their posture may not be correct in invading it. Like you said, it's, a, it's an invasion, right? They're going after the customer orders. They know they can have a, a you know, maximum yield of victims, you know, orders that they've taken, and no one is, is going to catch them or retrieve that information. So one thing I, I noticed, too, is no one's going to do the data retrieval. So a lot of these groups know that. A lot of these groups know that if I can ransom the data, steal it, and put it on the dark web, who's going to retrieve it on behalf of the commerce company? 
if if they're part, if they can't. I don't know how it is in Jamaica, but you can speak to that too. But I know in the United States, you can't even do that. So a lot of these groups know that there's a, a, a false sense of protection and who's going to come get the data back from me, right. <laughs> you know? You know. But uh, but if I interject, a lot of times they do ransomware, so they'll encrypt the data, or the you know they'll do ex, um, data exfiltration. But in encrypting the data, they'll say you know your data is encrypted. You can't use your server. You can't use your systems until you pay X amount. Most times mm. it's in bitcoins because you know there's a degree of security when you use uh, when you pay in cryptocurrency. So that right. is what a lot of the actors will do. Because I've heard of a situation where the servers were encrypted and it was just not possible for them to, when the when the hack, hackers reached out and said, okay, we encrypt your data, we'd need this amount, you know, paid to us and this is the account. And then they were they they didn't even wait around to negotiate. They're like, mm-hmm. if you want your data back, this is the amount, um, this is where you send it, and that's it. So they didn't even respond to any other communication. So if you're not going to pay it, then there's no room for negotiation. They'll just move on to someone else. And when I did my pen test, I found it was surprisingly, oh, before I go into the pen test part, but I read a news article recently where it says that there are lots of so many outdated systems still in Mm. business and environments outdated. There's Mm. Windows XP. Windows XP doesn't have um, end-of-life support stop. Since ten years ago, and there's almost one percent in the business world has Windows XP running. So imagine like outdated servers, outdated vulnerabilities. That there's just no patch available for these systems that are still in environments. And it's just easy to just sit at home, set up your PC, set up your VMs, run a vulnerability scan to check what to just check. Okay, if this 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 system doesn't uh, allows for remote uh, RDP, you can just RDP into this system without even using even password. You can do that, or you could just send a phishing link and have you know establish that connection inside where someone clicks on a link and give you. Uh, there's just so many ways that a hacker can just sit in the comfort of their home and just execute these attacks. And as I said, the outdated systems, the fact that we don't have this robust structure, infrastructure in place, there's no patching sometimes, it's just here and there. And the fact that people, a lot of people don't see the value of IT security until it's too late. That's what I've always noticed. It is too late. There's ones where Uber, where Red, where Uber, they didn't uh, see the need for like a, a a CISO until they got hacked. And then there were like 15 jobs available in, in IT security in at Uber just because they got hacked. So it's so easy for hackers to just sit at home and just do this and just, as you say, rinse and repeat. They check, what, they'll, what, just, what, they'll just scan a subnet and see what's, uh, what's available, what's vulnerable. And they'll just do this, execute the same payload, the same payload, yeah. multiple, yeah, worldwide. What, what? What, 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 while, right. while they're watching Netflix at home, they're, they're right. hacking they're watching, away Netflix movies. Yeah. Right. It, it is yeah. auto, you can automate <laughs> this. <It's>, <laughs> so, so, can we talk Awful. to the scale too? If Price Mart is not just in Jamaica, right? It's throughout the Caribbean, right? Yeah, so, it's Price Mart. The Caribbean as well. And so, so that gives you an idea of the scale that these ha- they, these hackers know the scale at which these commerce sites have access to orders and information like that. So I hate to say it, but that gives me the eyes to your point, Joseph, as somebody not even thinking militaristically, there's not much sophistication if all those systems are, are the same. If they're all legacy, they're all antiquated, you know, they're all over throughout the Caribbean, 
It takes, yeah. like you said, somebody maxing, relaxing in their living room to say, oh, this is the same site. This is the same victim, right? Everywhere they exist. They didn't um, learn. Right. So they're going to keep hitting them. Right. That's what they do because in the news as well, Trinidad, which is a fellow Caribbean country similar to us, they have definitely had their fair share of cyber attacks. That has been reported in the news too as well. So huh. it's, it's, it's a lot Caribbean wise. But we do have a body, a CARICOM body that is all CARICOM na nations, mainly English-speaking countries, that I just feel like we, at this point, we should band together because we're so small in size. So it's really about us coming together and knowing that we have a real issue on our hands. It's not just, it's just not just, you know, wars that are phys physical war, but there's also the electronic or the cyber wars that we have to protect ourselves from. Absolutely. So, um, looking at the second article that we have here from the Jamaica Gleaner, this is dated back uh, 6 September 2023, uh, titled Cyber Attack of Financial Services Commission. Um, it's, a, it's a quick uh, article, but um, I'll, I'll just read a little bit from it. So, the Financial Services Commission, or FSC, issued a statement uh, acknowledging a cyber event and stated that a team of cybersecurity experts from the Jamaica Cyber Incident Response Team, uh, JASERT, and the Major Organized Crime and Anti-Corruption Agency, or MOCA, is actively assessing the extent of the incident. Uh, the FSC emphasizes commitment to protecting personal information and data, taking the security of a system seriously. The commission assured that it is operational and cautioned stakeholders about potential response delays and processing times. The, the FSC is working diligently to address the situation promptly. Um, yeah, Belina. Uh, I'm gonna go to you. <laughs> I don't know if share much. I have but to bite my what I would share is that this is a <laughs> body that we'll always see in terms of financial think financial regulations. So it does does put their reputation on the line when they have a cyber breach because mm. if you're a body that is there's a certain expectation from you and just the fact that they were breached, it really shows again the urgency of 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 how needed how well needed it is that we have good cyber hygiene or cyber practices for everyone because if they're the governing body for the financial financial services commission then you know there people are looking to them or other financial institutions are looking to them for the guidance and you know i mean the good thing about it is that they should learn i would say an incident is an opportunity to learn what how to improve or how to do better so i'm hoping right. that would be the result of it that it happened to them and they will be able to say okay we this is serious and of course offer support to their body to their um to their members right can we speak to so i i hear the importance of the commission but one thing i take from this article is that there's a separate jaw search incident response team that yeah. wasn't the fsc's team where is that team how is that team organized in jamaica so that was i'm not sure the year that it was organized or the year it came into but that is the it's it's basically a incident uh cybersecurity incident and response team formed by the government to be able to respond to cyber security breaches, which I think it's good, but we also need a governing body to also be proactive in terms of, well, I do know that Data Protection Act is gonna do well if it's enforced and businesses comply with it, but we also need a body, a cyber security, a cyber body that is proactive in ensuring that that standards or 
all you know whatever standards that we have are, are implemented and implemented properly versus just our response but the response body is really good i love that idea that is something that was well needed but we do nef definitely need to have something proactive as well in place right so that's that that team is only for government entities they're not responding to private companies like like the price I'm smart right I'm not 100% sure, but I do know it is a government body that okay. is, is formed. I'm not sure if it's for private and public, but I do know most of the time when I read articles about it, it's for the government. It, they've responded to government incidents, cyber incidents. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So this last article, um, this one is titled Addressing the Weaknesses in Jamaica's Internet Affordability, Availability, Relevance, and Readiness. I thought it was a really good one. Uh, this was uh, authored by uh, Rihanna uh, Hagigal. I hope I'm not checking for her name. If you're listening, I'm sorry. Uh, this is dated back uh, June 19th, uh, 2023. Um, so I'll read a little bit from here. So so she provides a, a, a very well done, I'd say, examination um, of, of Jamaica's ranking in the 2022 index and, and comparing it with other leading nations uh, in, in that same uh, index. Uh, shedding light on the country's efforts to bridge the digital divide. Uh, the index provides a comprehensive evaluation of various factors that contribute to internet diffusion, such as uh, availability, affordability, relevance, readiness, and usage. So it serves as a valuable resource for policymakers, researchers, and stakeholders in understanding the digital landscape and its impact on economic and social development. To gain a broader perspective, it's essential to compare Jamaica's index rating with other leading countries that have made significant strides in digital connectivity. A country such as uh, South Korea, Singapore, the United Kingdom, and the United States are often hailed as global leaders in terms of internet diffusion. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll stop there. Um, I, I, I guess, Alfredo, just real quick, uh, what's top thing that, that comes to you after hearing that? I hear my I heard my favorite um topic about how do you defend without the readiness right so 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 in that article you mentioned the economic readiness the 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 stewardship and ranking that the particular right. analyst did I think without that digital uh diversity let's just say or digital bolstering how do you defend the country right how do you do a good job of defending the country if you don't have that readily diffuse internet infrastructure like to your point Melina, right that that's a big milestone that helps you not only report the information that's being shared because we, we just discussed that but the fact that this person is from the jaw cert team highlights that they're looking at their infrastructure to be prepared for what might come even advancements not even just the cyber side like economic advancements my favorite right how do you advance the economic goal in that same index without a decent internet uh diffusion um, so I, I hear readiness. I hear I heard that, and I hear they're preparing to increase the, the diffusion in order to bolster the comp, uh, excuse me the country's defense. It almost slipped up there. The country's defense. <laughs> I got so, uh, Yeah, uh, of Alina. I, I guess uh, maybe yeah, first thoughts I, on that. I think for me, in terms of the Internet Diffusion Index, a well-written article too as well. Right. I must say, I did some additional research to find out what's the percentage in terms of accessibility to internet. And mm. I read that there are 82% of the population, 82% of the population currently has some level of access to the internet, whether it's through their smartphones or, you know, not necessarily the stablest connection, but we do have internet service providers. 
the the, the internet service providers, because there is more like a duopoly, so they're not, I wouldn't say duopoly, they're probably some small providers, but the the fact that there are not many, you know, in a market when you have more, more demand versus supply than prices, you know, that kind of drives up the prices. So there's a cost factor to accessibility of, of, um, of data in or accessibility to the internet in Jamaica. It, it does cost businesses uh, to, to set up that infrastructure to run the fiber and everything. So just the fact that it's a cost to it. And as I mentioned, being a developing country, we don't necessarily have the resources of a first world or a developed country to to implement or to have the readiness that we are looking for. for because the goal that our ministers are driving the goal to be a knowledge-based economy, but it mm-hmm. takes infrastructure, it takes money as well to, to, to really have this in place for everyone, the accessibility. And then there's another thing that was mentioned too as well in terms of the relevance, relevance of information that is that that is needed for us as a Caribbean country because we may focus on something different versus uh, uh, America or Europe. So there's just there the report was good because it highlighted our opportunities. But I do know that even with I, the opportunities highlighted, I think Jamaica is in a good place. We just really have to focus on improving what we have to get to that level. Right. So so part of that uh, within the article, um, yeah, the author mentions. Um, or gives that recommendation of strengthening privacy uh, regulations, you know, promoting cybersecurity awareness, um, enhancing the security of, di- of government digital platforms uh, to build trust. And I think we, we talked about that already as far as, you know, uh, um, the the protection of um, or, or, or the enhancement or, or fortifying government um, digital inst- uh, entities, I, I should say. Um, so I, I thought that was very, uh, very telling that you know the author even points that out to say, like, look, these government digital platforms that they, they need to make sure that they're connected. You want me to do all this? You, you need to make sure your stuff is uh, up to snuff as well. Um, right. Man, that's something that echoes familiar with uh, the United States, right? Like mm-hmm. the, you, you, you. The previous article just highlighted that the commission didn't have that digital platform standard, maybe resources, right? The allocation of this particular cert team, the staffing of it, right? That comes with the, well, that comes with the information sharing, right? The part that Valina's mentioned is you have to share which sites can be bolstered up, which sites have been particularly, uh, you know, have a weaker hygiene. And then now that the government, the government can't say you do this thing and we have a weak, you know, infrastructure or we have a weak standard of protecting our environment. So I, right. I, I took that from the article too. Improving that awareness and sharing the information is is a key attribute to get the infrastructure where it needs to be. Um, you know, so I you know digital platforms, the trust between them, and the trust between government and private, at least in, in this article, sounds like it's being established um, from the indexes metrics from the data that they're collecting right now or trying to be established. So, so the author even made comparisons with uh, um, other countries like the Dominican Republic and uh, Trinidad and Tobago, um, you know, highlighting differences, you know, in the infrastructure development and, and connectivity challenges. So, uh, uh, Valina, I have a question. So, like, as far as within Jamaica, uh, like, what are the top um, or the most prevalent uh, ISPs or internet service providers um, in Jamaica right now? M- maybe for home, and then may- and then. If you can answer the question again for like mobile, like what what are the top uh, providers or internet providers? 
Yeah, the top providers do both the Wi-Fi and they also do mobile as well. So they do home. So the top two would be Digicel and Flu. Mm. We do have some smaller ones. I know off the top of my head, Island Net. I'm not familiar with the others. There are some smaller ones, but Flu and Digicel, they provide majority of the island with internet access, both as well as mobile as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm, so I'm more familiar from my time going, going to Jamaica, uh, Digicel, but, um, but I, you said Island Net, is, yeah, is Island that fairly Net. new? Yeah, that is fairly new. I didn't even know about Island Net until I started working at my new job. Oh. And they're like, Island Net. And I'm like, what is that? They're like, ISV. I was like, oh, oh thank you. <laughs> so I wasn't okay. aware of them before. So they're smaller. I guess they're maybe less than five years. I Don't quote me. I'm just thinking that they're just very new. Gotcha. And as service providers, that do they have a, I'm sure they have a cyber awareness to keep that provider protected. Is that... Is that something they share to with the government or is that something that has been in discussion with those three ISPs? Um, I've not seen anything, but I'm I'm really of the the hope that they are doing they are working to as well to make maintain and assist with the infrastructure because it's it's not a one man, it's not just the government, it's businesses recognizing as well as ISPs recognizing that, you know, cyber cyber threats are real. And if we don't step up our game or don't make adjustments, then it can be really, it can go really fast. Because yesterday too as well, I saw where Microsoft got breached. It wasn't a big breach, but to see that Microsoft got breached, then is who are we as small and smaller entities or smaller island? We have what, less than 3 million in population. So we're really tiny. So it is really critical or important for us to, there doesn't seem to be any limit or I guess the shock factor I'm pretty kind of numb to it. I'm sure our friends who is as well. I mean, the White House got breached. So, I mean, it's, it's uh, no, no one is safe. It's <laughs> yeah. no safe haven, no harbor. I was reading the Microsoft one too as well. It was just pretty basic. It was just a password, brute, brute, brute force, try multiple passwords until they hack it because there was just no 2FA implemented. And it was like a test Word. environment. That was was hacked, and that from there they were able to, you know, escalate privilege, something of the sort. And I was like, "Wow, that's you know, yeah. that, that's that's really annoying." It, you know what I'm saying? Because like you, you hear about you hear about these big yeah. you, okay, these yeah. big organizations, and when they get breached, it, you you kind of find out in in their analysis that they had the password was password one two three. Or you know, there's something ridiculous like passwords. that. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. are you and I heard we had we had outdated systems and password sprays. <laughs> Shout out yeah. to the OWASP top ten and top twenty, right? Because yeah, but... not as a pen tester, you could read that and see those are the the two yeah, the two, two mostly yeah. reported, right? Something else to do that, right. yeah, and mm-hmm. it's and it's more like a tedious tedious mm. thing to do because before I got into IT security, but yeah. now when I'm uh, having that strong password or having a 2FA additional form of protection, but a lot of people, especially IT as well, I'm not talking about for the the person, non-IT person, I'm talking about IT. Sometimes it it seems like it could be an additional you know, work for us to just implement the, the security. And security is not just this, for the security team alone. Security should be every every area of, the, of our organization. Because and, you are as strong as your weakest link. So if you know that user awareness training is so critical, 
and just having great policies without having the implementation of those policies really just yeah <laughs> it's a low lift apart. yeah there's nothing right. yeah. there's no mandate there's no enforcement without the policy yes people kind of well, get the and, choice and, to pick and, what they want to do and that, and that goes along with what we're saying about uh, cybersecurity awareness, you know. And so as you mentioned, we're working in in the industry, knowing the importance of, you know, implementing the 2FA or multi-factor authentication or, or things like that, like that ha using strong passwords or even passphrases. Um, but someone who who's not working in, you know, in the field and, you know, you got to look at your parents or like relatives or anything like that. Anybody like yeah. that, that's, uh, you know, have passwords and they got like the same password for multiple accounts or they got it all written down on a sticky note on their screen. Yeah. You come sit oh, down while the passwords exposed. That hurts. You got, you, you, you got to inform, you got to teach. But yeah, that does go apart. That's all part of the awareness. That's all part. I think the teaching element of it that I think honestly it's lacking because, um, cause with, without that, if people don't understand the, the, the true importance because you don't want to wait until after something significant happens because yeah if, if you know you wake up one day you look at your bank account and it's all maxed out because someone you know hacked your account because your password was was password one two three then you'll learn you but you don't you don't want you don't want to wait till then till something like that happens you want to like you said Avelina as you mentioned being more proactive you don't want to be reactive um for, for those type of uh for those type of things because they're happening. They're happening every day, constantly, every second, honestly. So you really got to protect yourself, making sure if you're looking at your system, make sure you have, the, you know, the latest antivirus. You, oh, that's another thing, too. People not yeah. even putting antivirus programs on their systems. Right. They're like, oh, right. I got to pay for what? I got to pay for that? I no. Pay, yeah. How yeah. can you how can you put that on the outdated, you know, just to, to, to double dip a little bit, how can you put the latest and greatest antivirus on something that's not supportable? Some people See, still like XP, man. They still right, want the XP. You know, <laughs> Yeah, the other side. The other side, I just yeah, realized actually, too. I kid you not. Yeah, oh the other gosh. side, I realized how critical, how important it is to somebody. Do they see the criticality of needing to update? Does that like the one thing I don't like to say is you know everyone thinks it's not important to update until something bad happens. Why is there no mindset to be diligent or be more defensive because something will happen? All these news articles we just covered prove that it is a consistent need to stay. Cause, you know, because they don't think it'll happen to them until it happens to them. Yeah, until yeah, until I think that. that's so naive, though. Like, <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I mean, said, I, mean I, I don't. I don't... Side, I was on the other side of it, like non-IT. So it to me, it was when when before I got into cyber security, I thought it was an inconvenience. I thought mm. that just spending that extra two minutes just to set up your Twiffy to get your to right. download your authenticator to set it up, I just thought that was just too much. Two minutes, right? You have twenty-four hours in a day. How easy could it be? But a lot of times, that's why we have to change our thinking. It really comes with knowledge, like informing or educating the population, educating the users, educating the entire organization, because all the hacker needs is just one one vulnerable system, one vulnerable user, one one person clicking on a, on a phishing link, and then that just, or one outdated system that's, that oh. has a vulnerability that wasn't patched. That's all, the, that, that foothold is what they will need. And from there, it can just replicate quickly. So, because we don't have that user awareness, then of course we just think it's an inconvenience versus it's a necess necessity. So I'm, I'm gonna pose this question to the, to, to both of you. Um, yeah. do, do you think it matters when, when we're talking about cybersecurity awareness, do, do you think it matters who's given 
who's saying that we need to be more aware about cybersecurity. I mean, so so I'm not saying that I'm not I'm not talking about yes, we all agree that cybersecurity awareness needs to be done. We need to have training, things like that. But as far as for it to resonate with people, do you think it matters who's who is saying it? Who is saying, hey, you need to implement this, or you need to get a password manager, or or implement two FA? Do you think it matters who is saying it, or or you think it doesn't matter at all? Valina, if you can go first, please. <laughs> For me, I think it matters because most times, again, people look at security as an inconvenience, as something extra to do. But if it's if the if the head, we ultimately look to our head or to our division head or department head in any organization. So if they are on board with it and it's a culture, if it's a culture of security is everyone's responsibility versus just the security department then you you see something or you say something or you have that in the back of your mind that, you know, I'm making sure that my job is secure. I'm making sure that my company is secure. So it really matters where it's coming from. It shouldn't just necessarily be from the security department or from HR. It has to be from the top, from the CEO, from the president, whoever is in right. charge should, because a lot of times the spear phishing attacks start with a CEO and, and you know, it can also replicate, you know, so so it really starts with the head going all the way down. So, it's, again, it's not just IT security's job or the security department. It's really everyone's responsibility to protect what we have. Alfredo? Yeah, I agree 100%. I think it's it's a matter of, and you know, we're going to start it here, right? Food, water, shelter, cybersecurity, I right? It should be it should be exactly the same yeah, level of readiness. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. If I'm doing those things as an organization, if I'm doing a disaster recovery plan, incident response plan, it's, it's all resonates with being ready for that incident. And and me, I kind of I kind of agree. It doesn't matter. It should be a top down. Definitely, like you know, your CISO, your CMO, CTO. Everybody should have that readiness mindset of food, water, shelter, cybersecurity. And once the other things are established, they're just as important. You can't protect the organization today without them, right? So so your disaster recovery planning feeds into that. Your IRP, some of your fiscal responsibility might pay into that. I think there's. I think it shouldn't matter who said because it's a need. There's a need to be ready in the cybersecurity space because we see these incidents every day, every day, every hour now. Yeah. So now, it's, now it becomes how do I protect the other three? My shelter, food, and water rely on cybersecurity protection, data protection. Right. You know. Um, so that's my goal. <laughs> I know I already said something, but just to add to that, if people see the value of it, meaning that they could lose your job or lose businesses, if they see that there is a financial cost to not having good cyber hygiene, then they'll see that it, it will probably be more of an awakening to them. Because if, if I stand to lose my job, meaning that a business, you, you're you lose customers, you could go out of business, you eventually lose a job because your the company's reputation is on the line. So if you're seeing it from that aspect, like the bigger picture, then right. you know you it, then that's where you say, okay, what can I do to ensure that this doesn't happen? Because it's ever again being everyone's responsibility. It means that we have to see, okay, what's in it for me? I could lose my job because not necessarily because of a fishing link, but just because of the repercussions of it. So yeah, that's right. where I would think we need to the level that we need to think of right yep um this is good stuff uh enjoyed this conversation this was good um hopefully, i mean hopefully things will change mindset mindsets will change but uh you know just given how things have gone 
I think it's it's gonna be a while. Yeah, it's a long road. But uh, (laughs) but this was good. All right, so we're gonna transition to strictly Belina now. (laughs) No, no articles, just strictly Belina. Um, but no, uh, you know, we're gonna use this time to really just uh, learn more about you, Belina. I'm very interested to just learn about more about um your story as it pertains to cybersecurity. Um, just going off from maybe you could just share a bit. Just what 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 prompted you to 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 get started in cybersecurity? Like what 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 were the maybe the motivating factors for you? Um, I guess like from where you started and and what really kept your interest. What captured interest and what kept it going as it pertains to cybersecurity? I'll give it a best shot as I can. So I got interested, or my interest was was uh, started being interested in cybersecurity in 2020. So that was when uh, the heights of COVID, you know, work at home. So what happened in 2020 was that I lost my job and losing my job in the hotel because I was in the hotel industry for 12 years, working in different positions within the food and beverage management leadership roles. But when COVID hit, we the hotel that I worked closed for maybe it was a month or two. And then uh, when they reopened, they told me that I would be, there's a word for it, it's a retrench word, but I wouldn't necessarily be fired, but I would just be like, they would call me back whenever they need uh, me again so i didn't get the call back so wow. that was really it, what happened would it, be, would it be like furlough like yeah, that is the word so, furlough. So, yeah, furlough. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, furlough. yeah yeah that okay. is the word so i got furloughed and it wasn't mm. like i was fired or anything but i got furloughed that turned into yeah full termination so i, mm. I decided then that i wanted uh, to switch to another industry that would be more pandemic resistance if there's such a word meaning that if there's another pandemic and you know in 2020 the, it was everyone was on high alert that we didn't know right. when things would go back to normal if there was ever going to be a new normal there's just so many you know unknowns so i said i wanted a career that would be less prone to a virus or less prone to a global uh, global uh, situation that we had pandemic, pandemic. Right. yeah global pandemic so that's when i got started that's when i was looking at options and before i got into cybersecurity too as well i did a few other things on the side i tried to start my own business a couple businesses actually and they didn't do so well so mm. at that point it was when i got retrenched i did not feel bad i was like yes i this is the time for me to do something new so i was doing multiple different things and they were just not there was just no success. So I tried drop shipping, total failure. <laughs> I tried some other things. I tried started a business too as well. That didn't go so well. So I was I was like, okay, what exactly do I like? What do I think would hold my interest and not necessarily re, um, re, revert back to the hospitality industry? So I was living in the States at that time. And because I'm my, my work visa was tied to my job, losing my job meant that I had to leave the States. So I was there for five years and that was, that was, I, I, I just decided that, okay, you know, I've, I, I love my country. Jamaica is a beautiful place. So I, I went, I went back to Jamaica in 2020, September of 2020. But when I was in the States, I had a housemate, a roommate. She said, you know, let's, let's try cybersecurity because she also was losing, she was going to lose her job too as well. And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, let's get into cybersecurity. It's easy. Oh, she had a friend who told her that it was easy to get into, (laughs) and so this before I left 
the states i did try so she 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 introduced me to the idea around august before i left in september so i looked mm -hmm. at the material and i saw that it was the opposite of easy <laughs> it was surely was <laughs> easy it right. surely wasn't easy. Like, girl, sure. what are you talking about? This ain't easy. Yeah, but she was like, her friend said, it's easy, you know, lots of people, you just have to pass this Udemy course, do this Udemy course, and then get your certification. It's going to be so easy. I looked at the first material that I could find on, on cybersecurity, on Security Plus, whatever it was, and I said that was not easy. IT is not easy. So I, I said that was for me. So I just left it at that. When I got back to Jamaica, I was still exploring other options. And then a, a friend, I think it was just divine, divine redirection in the sense that I would just get, I would get persons reaching out and say, okay, they, you could try this because a friend reached out to me and said, you know, LinkedIn is offering a, a free, free month course that you could check out all the courses for free. And then right. from there, you could see what you like. And so I went on LinkedIn, I found Professor Mesa's A, A plus course, and mm. he's so good at explaining stuff. He spoke my language in a sense. And from there, I got the interest. I got the, I got the, the, the drive again to, to start pursuing the whole cybersecurity because right. I would watch videos to say, you know, if you can't go straight to security plus, you can try maybe A plus or try the foundations. And then from there, you can go and build until you get into security. So that was really how I got into the world of cybersecurity. So. so we're not going to let you off the hook that easy because we see we see nine certifications. So you oh. ran you you ran a gauntlet from A plus to where you are today. What what was the driving factor running that that like not so easy obstacles? Like what obstacles did you have to overcome? How did you run the gauntlet from the A plus to nine certifications? And my my caveat to that too is why did you think that was required? Why did I walk? Why did you think nine, like, how did you get to nine certifications? Did you think that was required? No, it was definitely not required, but how I got to the nine certifications, it was, I didn't know, I knew what my first step was, because sometimes when you see like, a, a when you have a goal that I want to get into cybersecurity, but I, ne I didn't necessarily have a mentor. I was just watching YouTube videos. I would join the Comptia Ready group and, and they would say, okay, do this, do this, or this is what I did. So I didn't necessarily have like a goal in terms of what I would have done, but I just knew that, okay, I could have gotten my A plus first, then followed by my network plus the trifecta, which would have been security plus. And then, oh, and so when I, when I started, when I got my first two certifications, which would have been network plus and A plus, I never, I didn't have a job at that point. So got when it. I got those yeah. two certifications, I didn't have a job. I never worked at a data center. I didn't know. I did, they were describing switches. I never saw a real switch in my entire life. I, I told you guys before, I didn't know yeah. what an IP address was. I, I, I just right. had a fascination for computers. I got a fascination for, for how, how does data travel? So it, it was always in the back of my mind, but I just never did anything because at my old job or my previous job in hospital industry, working as a manager, you're working 12, 15 hour shifts. It's really hard for you to get that time to just really focus and study. So to me, losing my job was a blessing. I didn't, it didn't feel like a blessing in at first, but right. just having that time to just spend eight hours or 10 hours studying because when I did, I did three exams before I actually stepped foot in a data center. 
Nice. So, what, so I'm, I'm just learning concepts. Like for my right. for my network plus, I didn't know what I was. I thought I knew what I was studying, and when I did that exam, it was it was one of the lowest scores I got. I got maybe seven forty. The pass mark was seven twenty. I got seven forty on the score. I, I don't know how I passed that exam, but I had the worst headache afterwards because it, it, it just, I had a drive. I knew I wanted to do this, but yeah. I didn't know how hard it was. Right. So when I did that exam, I, I, I didn't know that I was, I didn't know that it was at such a big mountain. I just, they were just sharing stories on Reddit and said, oh, I passed my certification today and this was the materials I did. I did it in eight weeks and whatever. And I'm like, uh, how did you do that when when I was when I'm here struggling, you know? But right. the long and short of it was that I wanted to do it, and I just I, I had a drive. I I think uh, one of my characteristics about me is that I'm very determined. So if I see something that I want, I don't always settle for a no, because there are mm. so many of my friends that reach out and say when I told them, you know, I'm going to go in IT security, and mind you, I didn't. I I did my exams early in 2021 my A plus and my network plus, I didn't start working until June, 2021. So all this right. time, so when I'm, when I'm telling my friends, you know, my close friends that I'm studying IT and I'm going to IT security, they're like, you have a job? I'm like, no. They're like, you're sure about this? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get a job some, somehow. So yeah, it was, it, it, it took a lot to just stay focused knowing that I may or may not have gotten a job in IT security or gotten a job in IT for, I, I don't think I would have gotten a job by the way, but I just said, you know, I have this spare, spare time. I can do this. I can do this until something happens. And that was what kept me going. It prevailed because of that. Yeah. yeah so, much. so as you mentioned with your friend, um, when, when your friend said that, you know, yeah, do cybersecurity is easy. Um, and, and, and then, because I, I felt like it's a bit of like neuro, neurological shaping because, and, and Valina, you let me know how you feel about this, but if, if she, if she was to shape it to say, Hey, let's do cybersecurity, it might be challenging, but I think we can do it. Do, do you think that would have given you, because I think after that, as you said, you know, you like when you, when you first looked at it, it's like, oh man, this ain't easy. What the hell is she talking about? But but if she was to shape it or frame it into a way to say, you know, I, I think cybersecurity, cybersecurity looks promising, but it, it's not going to be easy, but I, I think we could do it. Do, do you think that would have shaped your mindset or you would have had a different attitude going into it at first? Because you said you had from from that first instance, you when you saw it wasn't easy, you dropped off and then you came back. Do you think that had played a big role as to that initial uh, influence? Yeah, I think so too. I think that's where the seed was planted, like the initial interest, because how she brought it across was like, it's it's easy to get into. And she's like, oh, get this, just just go on Udemy, select the security courses, do them. And once you pass it, then you can apply for a job. She didn't even tell me that I had to do a cert or certification or anything. But I think that just initial the initial thought that it is possible or it is doable, doable versus, you know, it is challenging. I, yeah, that would have made it. That first thought was that it's easy. So I just went with that mindset that it is possible. So, yeah. It's, so, the, I'm sorry, just one follow. The only reason I bring it up because I, th I think that is a problem with, especially within the United States, of how cybersecurity is marketed. Absolutely. Because they always, you always hear these commercials say, hey, you know, study cyber for six months and get a job for, you know, six figures or whatever. Man, that is not. People think they treat it like it's a, a, 
a, a you know get rich quick scheme, and and I hate the way it's being portrayed. So like so just like I said, you know that real life example of your friend and and the way and and also does your friend work in the field? Does she work in IT? Kind of no, that was, no, she's that was my not. next question. <laughs> oh, sorry, she tried. Sorry. To. She tried. She definitely tried, but she, she went back to her. She got another job in her same field. So I was the one who transition but she did not but she's not, I, it wasn't that easy thankful, she's not, right, yeah i'm right. so thankful that she said that because at that point i was exploring so many different options right and she right. was the one who said that and then if she if she, if she hadn't said that then i probably wouldn't have delved in the world of it or cybersecurity. so so i i'm i'm thankful that that conversation occurred and you know i was with her at that time so that, that, that could have planted that seed of interest that grew over a period of time. Did you have an imposter syndrome at any point uh, during your journey? Yes, yes. I definitely suffered from that. I, I think as women too as well, we suffer from uh, imposter syndrome but self-doubt, meaning that we we just internalize a lot of things. So for me, on, in the onset, when I first got my first IT job, well, this is my second, so my job before this yeah. one. When I started working, I was, it, it just felt like all these guys had all these years of experience and all these, you know, they're just so knowledgeable and they just had everything. And this was just me coming in very new. There's a time I wasn't able to differentiate what a HDMI cable is versus a USB cable. So so it was just the initial, initial. Wow. I, I think too as well, even now, but not to the extent but before it was, it was, it was like um, I just doubted myself a lot, and I think that really pushed me to, to study the way I did. Because for the last three years, I've literally studied almost every single day for maybe an hour or two on weekends. I probably do a entire as many hours as I can, just so that I could I could feel in my mind that I'm measuring up to the to the persons around me, which. It's it's a good drive, but but it also means that I may have like a confidence issue, which I need to work on. I, I, it doesn't necessarily mean I'd have to push myself that hard, but I I, I don't know. It's 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 a good, but it can be bad as well. So I suffered from that, and I've 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 said to myself, I've really given myself these speeches and saying, you know, I I may not know something now, I may not be at that level that I need to be at, but with the right education and the right effort. I can get to the level that I need to be at. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's let's speak to that too. I see you said you had the goal in the beginning. We you said you had the goal of obtaining the CISSP or Cybersecurity Masters. Can you speak to that? Because I could tell you that is honorable. The masters, especially. I mean, we're not on the great doctor level yet, but I can say you're not on Dr. Joseph's level or your right. masters. <laughs> The, the Masters was a big pinnacle for me as well. Like, it was like the showstopper, and I felt some doubt obtaining it. So yeah. having gotten it and awarded, let's let's speak to that. What, what, is the, what is your goal behind the need or drive to get a cybersecurity master's, or the CISSP for that matter? What is some of your so, outlook there? So my goal too as well, because if I'm doing something, I've always, I think I have that level of perfectionism, not to not extreme, but I just, I just, if I'm working somewhere, I always say, okay, how do I be the best at it? And for me, being the best at it would be a CISSP because it validates, uh, it validates your experiences given 
never mind, I just have eight months of experience in cybersecurity, but it, it validates your experience over a period of time. So I may not do it right now because even if you if I do the exam now, which I don't think I have the time, but if I do the exam in the next couple of years, I need at least five years of experience before I could actually earn that certification yeah. or even a master's if the opportunity presents itself, I would do that because uh, before I started studying, I usually, I would have gotten distracted. So I had to do a whole rewiring of my brain. So my brain mm. actually enjoys studying now versus before the whole COVID or before I started, I would just, I would say it's just boring and I don't want to study. And I just think that's like a the chore. Worst excuse. Right. Yeah, I thought it was a chore, but it brings me a lot of enjoyment now just to learn something or to just challenge myself. Because when yeah. I was with my CCNA, it was super challenging. It was like... I, if someone does their CCNA, I'm telling you, they deserve a lot of respect for the the in-depth material that's covered, and and it's 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 just on that level of challenging. So when I was doing that exam, it really pushed me. I quit I quit CCNA like every month. Every month I would be like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna quit this. This is not for me because when I'm learning material, it was just so much, and I just had coworkers who kept you know jeering me and pushing me and say oh Val when are you going to do your CCNA you've been studying for a year now how many years two years you're just exaggerating it was really just less than a year so I, I pushed myself and there when through that period I just I just I enjoyed learning the material so even though it was challenging it's it's really for me learning something new is is ultimate thrill right now nice. so that's why I could I could see myself going further or in getting a master's. Who knows? I could be a doctor, pin up one day. But I, I just don't limit Absolutely. myself anymore. Right. Yeah. If if you could speak to ten year old Valina, knowing what you know now, everything you experienced, what would you say? Yeah. Wow, ten year old Valina, I would say that she is smarter than she thinks. I would say it to her to just go for anything that she wants in life and not be limited by what others have to say or what she feels and, and let her know that she validate her to know that she is enough and she can do anything she puts her mind to. So that's what I would say to my 10 year old self. Nice. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. All right. We need we need to ask you another one, another big question. What is your top coffee like? What, like what type of coffee do you drink? That's a big question. Yeah, yeah, that's a big. Yeah, yeah. For me, my favorite coffee. I do love coffee. My favorite coffee is just regular coffee with cream and sugar. So for me, that's that. I do love, I do love a cappuccino here and there, but it has to be perfect. I used to work in a coffee shop too as well, so. So I know oh, what so a good you, so coffee is. So you have standards. I have standards, I know what the perfect ratio of, of, of steamed milk to foamed milk versus the coffee. Yeah, so I know all of that to make a perfect cappuccino, a perfect macchiato, whatever the espresso shot. If you don't have the crema on top, it's not perfect. So yeah, I, oh. I mastered the world of coffee. Nice. So what beautiful. is yours? Yeah. For me, um, yeah. so yeah, my, my my favorite. So my my daily driver is uh, an americano. Oh um, yeah! Oh, you're the oh, that's yeah. That's not for the but, but, but for there's one thing I, I I probably 
don't agree with i i don't do cream or sugar like to me i call that foolishness oh. just give it give it to me black with no foolishness so don't, don't put that in my coffee That's I, don't, I don't you got that ex- you got that respect beer <laughs> so i have to say the same quad shot americano with three sugars quad. In the whoa yeah. your heart so that's your heart so, okay? so watch so yeah that comes from being that was the first drink i actually had when i was working in the apple store so that was like the driver and it stick with me and the regular one, I'm thinking I'm doing Lancaster Redding, which is like a PA coffee, a regular coffee. I have not mastered my espresso machine yet. So I, I, I'm actually I'm actually right there with you. I need to learn how to master a, a time, perfectly timed shot at home to make the Americano. <laughs> you know, but that's my favorite too. But I usually do a quad shot if, if the day is uh, slow. <laughs> So as we get ready to close, um, just just lastly, if you could just share just, you know, like what are some of the, you know, hobbies, activities that you like to do just to when you're not studying or like I said, pursuing the CISSP or possibly a doctorate, like what, what are what are some of the things you like to do to decompress and relax or just for fun? What does that look like? what I'd like to do for fun. Before I mention that part, I just have Mm -hmm. to say that one of the driving factors or the most important driving factor in my life is my faith or my relationship with God. I don't think I mentioned that before, but it is the most critical to everything that I do. Make sure we get that in. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) It's the most critical is that my relationship with God has really strengthened me and given me a different perspective and view on life of myself and, and what I can do. You know, so that is the driving factor to most of my success. Because if I didn't have that relationship with God, I probably would have quit because I didn't have, I would I would just allow self-doubt to win versus just believing right. what God yeah. said about me versus what I felt about myself, especially on the days of self-doubt. So that to me is what I needed to put at the first. So that should be the first right. of my introduction. So what, what we, I do we, for we, fun, we understand. We, we, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what I do for fun, I do like to go to church and I do like helping people in terms of, because I, I, I recognize that it's not just me who have the doubts or limited mindset that I needed to overcome, but I do know that there are others too as well who have that have so much potential that we can do so much more with our skills and our abilities versus just thinking in such a box or thinking of this limited thinking about ourselves. So I, I, I do see myself like helping people, just nice. just just getting them to see themselves at a different level or see the world at a better way than they usually see. Yes, there's a lot of bad in this world, but we can help with whatever little that we can do to make the world a better place. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It doesn't have to be like, you know, just just having a lot of money to do something, but just what you can do to, to impact the world. So that's what I like to do for fun, helping others and going to church and studying. That's it. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> that's amazing. What, I, what do you gentlemen do for fun? So I read uh, a lot. Yeah, I read a lot. I, I'm, I'm very faith derived as well. I think the more I know to help, people realize that rely on me is is why i do cybersecurity as well i think there's a humane aspect there um 
I like to watch Marvel movies <laughs> to relax and cope. So I stay, I stay, I stay abreast of the latest uh, Marvel universe happenings. And then now I garden. So I believe, I, I believe it comes full circle for every cybersecurity incident I find. I'll plant a new plant in my backyard or contribute to, uh, you know, my garden. It's a small little, it's about a okay, 10 foot, good. 10 foot good. run not right now. Yeah. Not a whole lot yet. I'm, I'm, I'm still killing a lot of plants, but I hope to use that as a motivator to, to, to influence like some peace, you know, some peace while I do the job. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, for myself, uh, very faith driven as well. Um, especially as looking back early on, you know, my career uh, getting started and, and our friends and I, we even talked about it in, in our initial episodes. Um, so I won't take too long on this, but, um, but no, but as far as for fun, um, going to the gym, um, I'm always having headphones in my ears, so I'm always listening to, like different podcasts. I, I love my Knicks, so I'm watching like sports, uh, like like e- either watching the game or even going to the game. Um, that's always pretty fun. Lately, I've been really getting into hockey. Um, oh, so I promise, like like going to the hockey games. That, yeah, they're pretty they're pretty exciting. So I, I really got into it around the pandemic, um, and I started getting into it. I went to a game uh, recently with one of my friends and. Yeah, it, it it was really fun. So um, I actually put NHL probably right right up there with NBA as far as fun factor, like going to the game. So, um, but yeah, same thing too. Uh, reading, um, you know, just trying to relax, uh, watching a good movie. Yeah, there's a very good movie I could find intriguing. Um, I like it. Uh, but I'll, yeah, I do have preference. Yeah, you know, Marvel. If, if if you ask me between Marvel and DC, it's definitely Marvel. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, but um. But yeah, well, that's it for me. But uh, but no, this was good, Valina. You, you've been a, a great guest. We we enjoyed this time uh, with you. Thank you so much for coming to the Cyber Coffee Hour. Um, and, and definitely, we need to have you come again. You know, yeah, we hope we'll, that we'll, we'll, especially after you get the doctorate, we we need to have it back on so I can address I you properly. Be back. I would be honored as, to be back, Doctor Pinnock. You know, saying yeah. got to put some spec, I like that. spec on the name. I like yeah. that. See, yeah, there you go. You, I bet you'll start studying right after this episode. After we right. done, cause the level up. There's the level up right there. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I put no limits on myself. I absolutely. If it's possible, if it's a dream or desire. I and it's the will of God then I will go forward. So yeah, thank you. And thank you gentlemen yeah. for having me. I must say it's a pleasure. I was, as I mentioned in the first time we spoke, I was really surprised when you reached out because I really didn't think much of myself in the sense that, you know, what oh, exactly no, come on. You're, you're, you're a big deal. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I just, probably, you're right I'm probably a heavy pages of your accomplishments here. <laughs> what did you say? You're I, definitely I, a heavy hitter now. Like you got, you know, you got it. You, there's not, there's not, there should be no doubt that you got it. The ball, you know, you, you're doing the job and you, you're definitely doing an amazing job. So. Uh, thank you. Thank you. But I was, I, I, I think too as well in Jamaica, we have so many people like myself who overcome obstacles or just had a redirection. So there's just so many stories in Jamaica, like or Jamaicans, because we were really resilient, resilient. So I didn't really think that it was something that was out there. I just put my story out there because I do know that there are others in my situation who have probably gone through and say, you know, what exactly is there to do or, you know, have an interest in something, but never really did it because they never think that they have what it takes. So that's the reason why. So I'm really, I was really happy when you reached out because it was just, it was really just to encourage others. So I really didn't have any. 
and we appreciate that too. We need we you know exactly. we need to, we want to get that out there for others that may have the same uh, uh, struggles, right? The same struggles yeah. getting into this industry. Yeah, absolutely. All Thanks right. again, gentlemen, for having me. I really absolutely. enjoyed our, our conversation. That's great. All right, that's it for this episode. Thank you, everyone. And uh, we'll catch you in the next one. Take it easy.